We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 134. Today, Scott is unable to join. He's unable to record, so we have Rich Kaufman joining. Rich, it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast. I think it was 2015 trade deadline, if I go by my Skype call history. Wow, and uh, it has been a lo- you know, it has been a long time, and uh, good to be back with you guys. I'm, I'm sad that Scott is not here to... Uh, to, to do the show because it's been you know a crazy few days in uh, with the Yankees so but good to be here yeah it's been it's been an, a wild first month of baseball I think it's sort of caught us all by surprise no definitely I mean if you would have told me that going into May 1st the Yankees would have you know one of the top records in baseball without Sanchez basically without Greg Bird uh, without Didi for most of uh, most of April I you know I think everyone would take it hell yeah if you guys want 25% off in the fan shop, use code COMEBACK. And obviously in honor of the weekend, that Friday game was perhaps the most wild game of the season. And they almost had another one of them on Sunday afternoon. Turned into sort of just a five and a half hour disappointment. But use code uh, COMEBACK for 25% off in the fan shop. And Rich, you excited for June 10th? I am. It's going to be it's gonna be fun. I was at the game, I was at the stadium on Friday and I taste tested the uh bronx brewery pale ale just to you know get a 
get a little preview of what we're going to be having on June 10th, and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's a good summer beer, right? It is very, very refreshing. Very, you know, nice, nice taste. I like it. So you guys know the deal by now. For sixty-four bucks, you get not only a ticket to the game in sections two hundred five and two hundred six, but you also get a two-hour pregame party at Billy's with the beer provided by the Bronx Brewery, and it's going to be that banner ale that Rich just mentioned. So go to BronxPinstripes.com or any one of our social media websites, and you will see the link to go buy those tickets. We've already sold a bunch of them, so it's going to be an awesome gathering. Definitely looking forward to it. So. Rich, like you were saying, I mean, this first month of baseball has been extremely fun, more fun than I think any of us really thought. I think this might be my favorite Yankees team since that 2007 team, which obviously we remember having a huge disappointment in the bug game in in Cleveland, and it sort of ended in disappointment, and it was kind of the end of an era because Joe Torre was fired after that, but... That team was a lot of fun in the second half. They they were never out of games, and that's the sense I'm getting from this team, kind of. Right now, I agree. Um, you look at this team; it's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of different pieces coming together. To they're a really likable bunch of guys. I feel like um, you got Torres. Like, where the hell did this guy come from? You got Chase Headley having a good year. You got Austin Romine having a good year. So. It's like a throwback to those teams where it seems like they all like each other and the fans are kind of connecting to them, which is good to see. They are tied for first in the division with Baltimore. They lead the AL in runs and home runs. I mean, the ball is just flying out of the ballpark. That's kind of a trend across all of baseball, but at least the Yankees are on the good side of the trend for for a change. And when I was actually looking at it today, their playoff odds have gone up immensely. They weren't expected to make the playoffs, and they're still kind of not expected to make the playoffs because now, for instance, Fangraphs is projecting them for 86 wins, and at the beginning of the season, they were projecting them for 79, but that is still plus 7 from what we've seen after the first month. So I think at the very least, what they've done is they've set themselves up for a fun season, which is exactly what we all wanted. Right. I mean, you look at last April, uh, that that month kind of killed them, you know? Um, I think Joe Girardi said it a few times that that cost them a shot at the playoffs. So to get off to a good start this year, that gives them, you know, such a big boost going into May. You know, it gives them a lot more room to work with, I guess, if that makes sense. So it's, you know, it's definitely good to get off to a good start. And, uh, you know, they got to keep it going. And, I mean, we've seen Toronto do the exact, exact opposite. And they're probably burying their season at this point. Right, because if you look at the schedule, I mean, a lot of April has been against the AL East. So if you bury yourself early, I mean, you don't get these games back against the division. So you can't win the division in April, but you can certainly, you know, push yourself out of uh, out of the race. Well, as we know, as the cliche goes, these games count for just as much as the ones in September. Right, right. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned it sort of in the open, but the Yankees did it without Sanchez, without Didi pretty much, without any production from first base. I mean, I, I may have jinxed Greg Bird because I was predicting MVP level numbers from him at the, at the end of spring training after we were down there in Tampa, and I saw him smack balls all over the park. But, I mean, he's been completely absent. Chris Carter, and we got a bunch of mailbags on Chris Carter complaining about him. We'll get to those a little bit. But those are three huge positions that we were counting on. And they haven't done anything, and the Yankees are still winning. Yeah, it's scary thinking about what could possibly happen with this team when you get Sanchez back, 
you finally, you know, yeah, hopefully Bird can show something at some point. But when all these guys kind of get back and get into a groove, it's scary what this offense can do when it's this good right now. But also, uh, guys like Torres, guys like Romine have been excellent. They haven't been, though, what Didi and what Sanchez we hope will be. Right. No, they've been good stopgap players. They've probably even been better than anybody thought they could be. Uh, I think at one point, Torres, you know, he was tied for the team lead with 13 RBIs, which is just who would have thought that? And he had he has a four hit game or a five hit game this year. It's crazy what he's done. He's fun. He's a fun. He's a fun player. But I I was kind of getting annoyed when uh, people were legitimately saying, "What are we going to do with Torres when Didi comes back?" I mean, let's not get crazy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned I was at the game Friday, and when they were down nine to one, and it was Didi's first game back, you're like. You know, the pessimistic Yankee fan of me was like, oh, he messed up the mojo. Like, <laughs> Therese is like the mascot on this team. You know, everyone loves him, and now he's on the bench, you know. But, you know, Didi stepped in. and um, But, no, Therese, I think he's he's better suited to be, like, a role player because now he can play short, he can play third, he can play second. He's more versatile now than I think he was before. We also, I mean, I think he'd get exposed if he was a full-time player. I mean, I don't know that, and, and maybe he is better than we all think, but... I think he's pretty well suited for that utility role. And I'm happy that Didi has come back and looked like he's in midseason form. And it's crazy how good he's looked. And he had that that game-tying single on Sunday. Are you surprised with how good he looks So after being out for a month? I mean, you'd figure there would be at least a little bit of rust, but it doesn't seem like there is. No, I am surprised. I mean, you usually see with these guys when they come back after they've been out for a month that it takes them a while to get back back into the swing of things. But he's... You know, he's hit the ground running, and it's uh, it's been great. He had, what, four hits, three hits on Sunday? So I think he's uh, batting exactly – I think he's 6 for 12 since returning, so exactly 500. Yeah, no, it's impressive, especially with the shoulder injury. Um, for him to swing the bat like that, it's, you know, it's a bonus for him to come back like that right now. He uh, And his arm at shortstop is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's a night and day between him and Torres' arm. Oh, it's insane. I mean, Torres gets the ball there. You know, he you know, he doesn't lollipop it, but you see, you do see such a difference with uh, with Didi. Uh, he throws lasers over to first. I'm excited for Didi's season. I think that he, I mean, it's gonna be tough now missing a month of baseball, but I, I, I honestly thought he had a chance to be one of the shortstops represented in the All Star game. Yeah, no, he barely missed that last year uh, in the All Star game, and I, you know, I thought the same thing for this year. He's gotten better each year, which is what you want to see. Um, so that month, you know, that month off hurt him, but you know it's good to see him back. I just, I always think he followed up Derek Jeter, which might be the most impossible person to follow up in New York City. So he's he's out outdone all of our expectations for him when he, when they traded. What was it Shane Green? <laughs> Shane Green for Shane Green. Yeah, you remember when people were outraged that they oh, traded yeah. Shane Green? Yeah. Yeah. People were saying, oh, the people – we saw tweets about Shane Green's ERA up until like July of that season because Didi was having a pretty bad first half in 2015, right? That was 2015. And I remember – wasn't Shane Green having like a pretty decent season? Yeah, his first few starts were good, I think, and everyone was calling for Catchman's head, as <laughs> usually happens with these trades when they don't work out for the first two weeks. And I'm also glad that we have the start spreading the news tweets and Instagram posts from, from Didi back. And I don't know if you caught this, but he used the clown emoji to represent Brett Gardner. <laughs> now, 
I really want to get to the bottom of this because is Brett Gardner the clubhouse clown? Or I thought maybe on, on second guessing, I was thinking maybe that because that clown is bald, that's why he's using it to represent Gardner. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, when you look at Gardner, you really don't think of him being a clown. You know, no. he's, more of, he's more of a serious kind of guy. But, you know, I did see that tweet and it was funny, you know, because he uses the judge emoji for Aaron Judge, obviously, which is good, which is clever. But um, it might be just be because he's bald. <laughs> All right, I want to take a minute to tell you guys about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that focuses on the whole experience of cooking, making it a fun process and not just about the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates a new and delicious recipe with step-by-step instructions designed to take about 30 minutes to make from everyone from a novice cook to experienced cooks. They deliver food right to your doorstep in a recyclable, insulated box for free. And that's the best part of this. It is convenient. I'm sure people listening right now don't have time after work to go shopping and to cook a meal, especially if you want to be down on your couch for that 7 p.m. Yankee start. I know I end up just throwing together some leftovers or whatever I have in the fridge because I uh, get home late and just don't want to deal with cooking. But that's why you need to check out HelloFresh, which is now offering light spring meals and breakfast options that are all less than $10 per meal. They sent me some food and I made an Italian chicken dish and it was really, really good and it was actually pretty easy to make. That was the best part about it. I didn't have to run around for things I didn't really have in my kitchen or anything like that. Um, And it's a nice change of pace from the three or four things that I usually make. So for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com and enter promo code PINSTRIPES30. Again, 30 bucks off. That's a good deal. Use promo code Pinstripes30. There are no spaces in that promo code. Rich, Aaron Judge has been the story so far for the Yankees. And I hope people aren't sick of hearing about Aaron Judge because Scott and I have pretty much led with him on every podcast. And for good reason. I mean, leading the team, leading the AL in home runs with 10. Uh, I saw the stat today on the broadcast that he has 1.8 war. And that's that's good for sixth in the American League. So according to Sabermetrics, I mean, he's right up there with guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. He's also got a 217 WRC+. Plus. I don't know if you're familiar with WRC+, Plus, but it's basically how many runs you're creating. So, I mean, he's just blowing away all expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about, uh, about Judge. Um, to have a homegrown guy like this with his, you know... The idea that he could be a superstar, um, I think we saw it with Gary Sanchez, but he's been out now. But to have Judge um, do what he's doing, uh, it, it makes everyone excited for the future. Here's the thing, though. So, we like you just said, we saw it with Gary Sanchez. He had a month like this last August. We saw it uh, with Trevor Story last year, last April, had 10 home runs, and he kind of disappeared. Are you slightly worried that Judge is going to not disappear, but, I mean, there's no way he can keep this pace up. I mean, it's just unrealistic to expect from a rookie. Yeah, I, he's not going to hit 50 home runs. I don't he's think actually on that's... pace for 74. Yeah, <laughs> 74. Which you might notice is one more than Bonds is 73. Right. All right, so we could get a new home run king maybe. But, um, no, I agree it's not sustainable. Uh, but what you're seeing is see what I look at, I look at his at-bats from last year and how different his at-bats are this year. 
he's taking pitches that he wasn't taking last year. Yeah. It's the you know the 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 sliders away, the fastballs just off the plate. He's letting those go. Um which is impressive cuz he's improving. He swung at I mean every slider and curve off the plate uh away from him. He swung at last year. Like every single one. Oh yeah, it was like Alfonso Soriano, 2003. <laughs> Two strikes, you know it's coming. Swing and miss. Going back to the dugout. I mean, that's what he did last year. He struck out in half of his at-bats. This year, he's more selective. He's swinging at the pitches he wants to swing at, not what the pitcher wants him to swing at. The strikeout rate is down to about 26%, and the walk rate is up to over... It was 11% before today's game, and he walked, I think it was three times on Sunday. So it's up over 11%. I mean, that's where... it's The walks are actually starting to stand out to me because... You're honestly seeing pitchers starting to pitch tentatively towards him. Yeah, I, today you had Chase Headley hitting behind him, and so you, if you're a pitcher, you're looking at what Judge has done recently, and then you're looking at Chase Headley on the. I know Headley's had a good year so far, but who would you rather pitch to right now? Oh, no question. Right. So, and that's another thing. When Sanchez comes back, where does he slot in, and what do you do to protect Judge? Yeah, it, it's it's difficult because I also think Girardi loves mixing up the righties and the lefties. Oh yeah, he's not going to go. He's not going to stack righties or lefties. He 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 needs to go right left right left. So what do you do with Holiday then? Uh, it's also it it really th- it it's creating problems how badly Bird is playing. Yeah, I mean problems. I I feel stupid saying problems. They've got. Tied for the best record in their division. They're leading in runs and home runs and all that. But it, Bird, we all counted on Bird. Bird needs to start hitting. It's 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 getting to a point where it it's I mean it's getting a little worrisome. It's a full month of baseball and he looks completely lost at the plate. Yeah, he's either fouling a pitch back that he should hit. He's striking out. He's walking or he's getting hit by a pitch. That's the only outcomes he's he's giving you right now. So it's at some point. I know Cashman was asked on Sunday um, if he would think about sending him down, and he said no way. Like there's there's no way that they're gonna demote him at this point. So well, I guess you gotta you gotta stick with him. Well, well would you want to play Chris Carter every day? Uh, see, that's the, I mean, Bert's not hitting, so anything Carter does is uh, I don't know. No, you can't. I, don't I know. Mean, you, you can't. I mean, if Chris Carter was hitting just even a little bit, I could see them at least giving Bird uh, extended time off to try and clear his head. But Chris Carter is just as bad, if not worse, because he's not even getting on base the few times, like you mentioned, Greg Bird is getting on base. Right. So against lefties, would you start Greg Bird just to get him as many at bats uh, as yeah, possible? Yeah, I think so. I think the only way he's going to start hitting is. I mean, it's stupid, but the only way he's going to break out of this is if he's playing. And having him sit every two or three days or four days, depending on how they when they face a lefty. Like today, Wade Miley. Like, is Wade Miley really somebody that you're afraid to stick Greg Bird up there against? Right. So no, I understand right. he right. sat against Chris Sale. I mean, Chris Sale might be the nastiest left-handed pitcher since Randy Johnson. But Wade Miley sucks. Like, we don't yeah. need to sit him against Wade Miley. Right. And at the same time, Bird is still developing. I mean, he has what half a season under his belt in, in the major leagues. So you want him to face as many lefties as possible. So he can 
get accustomed to facing them if you want him to be a full-time player down the road. So the whole platoon thing doesn't make sense to me, but it's Girardi. So. I remember Paul O'Neill talking about why he had the reputation of that he couldn't hit lefties. It was because in Cincinnati, he never played against lefties. It wasn't that he couldn't hit lefties. It's just he never played against lefties. So then he got that reputation. Then he came over to the Yankees, and they stuck him in there every day. And obviously, he could start hitting lefties. I mean, he won the batting title in whenever it was, 1994 or 1993. So, right. Look at, D- look at Didi. He... He can hit lefties now because he played against... Wasn't there an idea that he was going to platoon with Brendan Ryan or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. that I'm, that, I'm sure there Brendan, was. That Brendan Ryan was going to play against lefties. But if you look at Didi's numbers against lefties, he can hit them now because he's seen them. So I think that's what Bird needs to do as well. He had the highest batting average. Didi had the highest batting average against left-handed pitchers last year of, of anybody. It was like 340. It was, I mean, much higher than his average against righties his average against righties was pretty good too i think it was like 275 or something like that but he hit 340 against lefties yeah no it's it's impressive and you know like i said bird needs to play every day if he wants to get out of the you know get out of this funky zone yeah and i think most people are sick and tired of seeing chris carter Uh, i want to get back to judge though for a second he had those two shots on friday night you were at the game one of them was 119 miles an hour off the bat and it went like 45 feet off the ground. Uh, my dad texted me that it was a Dave Winfield shot. He loves calling them Dave Winfield shots. Like in the 80s, that was his favorite thing that Winfield would hit these rising line drives. And he says that uh, Judge reminds him of him. But I mean, what's the what was it like in the stadium for those two shots? Because those are two home runs that, uh, yeah, he can hit those majestic high ones. But those line shots are just ridiculous. Yeah, I, it's almost as like he hits them and they're still going up when they go over the fence. Like they just keep rising. There are no doubters off the bat and the crowd anticipates it. So what he's doing right now, I know they've said it a thousand times, but he is must watch. Like you stop what you're doing when he comes up to the plate because you never know. He might hit one 500 feet and you want to see it. I mean, I think we're going to see one 500 feet this year. Oh yeah. I mean, Manny Machado hit one, what, 470? Yeah, that thing was uh, that thing was over the restaurant in center field. Yeah, Judge can he can hit one over he can hit one onto the that new MasterCard batters whatever the hell it is in center field. <laughs> how are Easy. the how are the new digs at Yankee Stadium? They're nice. They're nice. I didn't think I would like them. Um just because I like anything that reminds me of the old stadium. Right. Um well, it was about time they got rid of those obstructed view bleachers. That was ridiculous. Oh, that yeah, was horrible. I, I don't know why they did that to begin with, but no, they're nice. They're nice. Uh, people are going to like it for sure. 10 of Judge's 23 hits have, have gone for home runs. That's, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's like 40%, 45%. I, does it worry you at all that just like we're, this is not sustainable and he's going to go through maybe – an extended slump or pitchers are going to adjust or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And like you said, he's what on pace for 74 home runs. He, you know, that that's not possible. He's got to sprinkle in some extra, you know, some, some double singles. He did that. To, he did on, uh, on Sunday, which was good to see. Um, but yeah, I think he is relying on the home run too much. Um, well, is he relying on it or is that just, I mean, he makes contact and the ball goes. I mean, I think it was David Cohn on Friday who said 
in that second home run, I mean, that's a double for 99% of players, except his ball went over the fence because he's a freak. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he's just a freak. He's just a player we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, which is true. I mean, you look at his size, he's probably the biggest position player to ever play. So maybe he's just doing stuff we haven't seen before. But, uh, I mean, the reputation on him in the minors was that he wasn't a home run hitter, you know, that he was more of a line drive type of guy. But I guess neither neither was Gary Sanchez. Right. That's true. So, uh, so the Yankees completed the short two-game sweep against Boston. Uh, Tanaka versus Sale was the matchup, pitching matchup everyone wanted to see. You know my opinion on Tanaka that I don't think he is a quote-unquote ace. Uh, Everyone who's listening probably knows my opinion on him. But that might have been his best performance as a Yankee so far. Yeah, definitely was. If you take into account the lineup he was facing, um, the ballpark at Fenway, obviously, which is a bandbox, very rarely do you see shutouts there. Um, And you consider the pitcher he was going up against, Sale, who if you give up one run, the game could be over. So for him to sh- completely shut down the Red Sox, I think I tweeted, I said that was his best start as a Yankee. We actually got a mailbag from Brandon, and he says, Hey, Andrew, is a complete game three-hitter in Boston something an ace does? Had to bust <laughs> your balls a little about Tanaka. And that that uh, three-hitter complete game shutout on less than 100 pitches, which I guess people call the Maddox. I didn't realize that's what... Uh, people are calling that now, but uh, obviously that is an ace-like performance, but I have two reasons why I'm still not going to call him an ace. First of all, he was on seven days rest, and we know that Tanaka does better when he has the lo- longer rest. I mean, that's how it was in Japan. It was six days rest in Japan, and he, and he just clearly performs better when he has that extra rest. So seven days rest is something that you might only see once or twice a year. Um, and also the Red Sox offense was really struggling, especially in the middle of the last week when the Yankees were at Fenway. So I, I still need to see more from Tanaka. I mean, that was really his first good start of the season. Uh, so he had a few bad starts to start the season. I understand he stepped up, he nutted up against Boston for all those reasons you just said, but it's just like, can we see something on, on five days rest? And I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to rely on our ace getting an extra day just so he can be an ace. Right. Yeah, I think I kind of am leading towards agreeing with you that he's not an ace. I know a lot of people disagree. But the thing I go back to is that wild card game, which against the Astros in 2015, where he goes five innings. Like, dude, (laughs) you got to give me more than that. You got to give me more than that. Yeah, but but uh, the people, the counter argument that people will give you is that the Yankees scored zero runs that game, right? Didn't they score zero or one? I don't even remember. Yeah, well, Keiko shut them down, but still, like an ace. I don't know. I don't get the. He's a different kind of pitcher than the other aces in the league. I feel like, and that's what that's what uh, people argue about. So people insist on calling your best people insist on calling team's best pitcher their ace just because you have a number one pitcher or your best pitcher doesn't make him an ace i i reserve that label for someone like clayton kershaw or madison bumgarner who i know is not i mean not this year but 
um, or John Lester, like we saw in the playoffs last year. Uh, those types of pitchers are aces. There's only like maybe five or six of them in the league. Every team has a number one that doesn't make him an ace in my book. Right. Now I see where you're coming from. So he's the Yankees ace. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay, right. sure. <laughs> right. He's an ace on this particular team. Yes. And, he, and I've never said he's a bad pitcher. I mean, that would be right. stupid. I'd be an idiot if I said that. Yes, he's a right. great pitcher. And uh, he is the Yankees' best pitcher. Although uh, Severino this year is maybe giving him a little run for his money. But um, I think, see, I think Severino has ace potential because of the stuff. Right, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Do you think he is better suited to being called an ace because he throws ninety-eight miles an hour? I mean, and that's yeah, just what we associate. You know, a power pitcher. You know, Roger Clemens is an ace. Uh, Syndergaard on the well, he got hurt, but <laughs> uh, you know, guys like that. Those are true aces. Yeah, I think you need to be able to shut a team down in October by striking people out. Don't let the ball in play. Don't even let it up to your your fielders. Just you right. do all the work. Those are aces, right? And Tanaka didn't have that many strikeouts against the Red Sox. No, I think what he had four, three, three or three four. Or four. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it was a great performance. It was a Maddox like performance. We saw that from Maddox a billion times, where there would be like 40, 40 uh, dribblers to the second baseman, and you are like, "What the hell is going on?" So, right, just and I think. And I think the hype that surrounded Tanaka before he came over here, we heard about he pitched in, what, back-to-back days over there for to win the championship in, in Japan. And it was almost like an urban legend with this guy. And that when he came over here, he didn't – it's not that he hasn't lived – I don't know. He hasn't lived up to the hype, I guess. No, has any Japanese pitcher ever lived up to the hype? I mean, Daisuke Matsuzaka came over here like he was the second coming, and he was – mediocre at best you darvish i has been pretty he's been pretty good but he had didn't he have tommy john surgery um yeah. and he's in texas where nobody cares you know right no one follows right uh uh i mean arabu was a complete disaster um hideo nomo was great but i don't think he was ever considered the best pitcher on any team he was on Kagawa can't can't <laughs> forget about igawa cannot forget about igawa banked 40 mil <laughs> So I mean, it it was a it was an ace like performance, and it was something that the the Yankees, uh, I would I'm not going to say desperately needed, but it, it was amazing to see at Fenway Park. There's nothing I love better than shutting down the Red Sox at Fenway Park, which always seems like you're right around the corner from disaster. And we saw that with Chapman the night before, which Scott and I have already talked about this. But I was thinking that imagine imagine Chapman. Uh, gives up that home run or, or blows that game. And then the Yankees got to go face Chris Sale, who struck out 10, play, 10 batters in his last four or five outings. I mean, the dude is filthy. They're not scoring for Chris Sale. So his record looks terrible, but his stats are unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, like I said before, the, the pessimistic Yankee fan of me, I, this start has been so good for this team that I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for the the six-game losing streak. And I was I was ready for it to begin with Chapman on what was it Wednesday? Yep. I was ready for him to blow it, but he didn't. Uh, if he did, I would have just assumed they would have you know they were going to go on the street. They were going to get back to 500, and then this whole big start would have been 
to waste, but Tanaka came through. What do you think was up with Chapman that night? I mean, he was throwing 96, which is off for him. Yeah, that was strange. Um, it was concerning when he grabbed. It was the outside of his elbow, which is good. I guess the inside, that's more, you know, Tommy John area. Um, I don't know. That was strange. I mean, he and pitched he, Sunday and looked fine. So, yeah, maybe it's just a mus, you know, muscular thing, and it's not anything in his, you know, structurally in his elbow, but. He hadn't pitched in four days between Saturday and last Wednesday. He didn't pitch. so And it was a cold night. That was the foggy night. Right. It was like 40 degrees in Boston. It was disgusting. So, I mean, it's just not, not prime conditions, especially when you haven't thrown in four days. Mm-hmm. And he threw, what, 40 pitches? So Yeah. Maybe it was just muscle tightening or something. I don't know. I just have flashbacks to how he was used in the playoffs last year. Yeah, you hope, uh, you know, all the innings aren't adding up. And, I mean, the guy is a freak. He throws 101 miles an hour, and he manages to stay healthy. It's crazy. Knock on wood. (laughs) All right, the game of the year, Friday, 14-11, to extra inning walk-off. You stayed for the whole thing, right? You didn't bail? No, did not bail. How many people would you say bailed? Um... Maybe half or a little less than half. It, I mean, it looked pr- still pr- decently crowded when Ellsbury hit the Grand Slam. And I feel like if you're there for the Grand Slam, you're going to stay to the end. Like, I understand leaving it 9-1. to one, But when it's 11 to, would that make it 11-8 to eight after Ellsbury's slam? Yeah. Like, you're staying, you're sticking around. Yeah, now a lot of people left after the top of the eighth. When, when they was didn't... Ellsbury's Grand Slam? I forget. Earlier, earlier oh. in the game, because I, you know. right, I remember I, I, it was uh, Trumbo hit the grand slam, and then I, I was kind of flipping back and forth to uh, some NBA playoffs, and then I saw I was following on my phone, and I saw Ellsbury hit the grand slam, and that got me interested again, and I thought it was going to be a classic Yankees tease, right? Like how many times have we seen that before? Yeah, no, I was expecting um, them to get close, like like they did in uh, in Pittsburgh. In that final game where they had a chance to win it at the end and couldn't. But, um, no, people left around the eighth inning. A lot of Orioles fans left, too, which <laughs> I was just, you know, I wanted to see them suffer uh, through the through their uh, their loss. But, uh, I mean, that's weak. you got to stay for the whole game. No Zach Britton is huge for the Orioles. And it's another reason why the Yankees were able to come back Sunday. Oh, definitely. If Britton's in that game, he's as automatic as they come. You know, he's not he's not coughing up that lead. You know what it reminded me of? I don't know if you remember a game against Texas where Posada hit a walk-off home run at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium, but the Yankees were down huge in that game too. Yeah. I, I don't even remember what season this was. It might have been 2007, like I said. That team was always coming back in 07 because I do – I am positive that Mark Teixeira was on the Rangers. Um, but I don't remember exactly what year, but they had a huge comeback and then a, a rally and a walk-off by Posada. It kind of reminded me of that game where – for whatever reason, that game was not over. And you just kind of had a feeling after Ellsbury hit that grand slam. It was like, just get somebody as the tying run. Happened to be Castro with the one knee finish. I mean, that was that might yeah. be the picture of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it was Reggie Jackson-like, you know, down on one knee. Uh, it was a no-doubter off the bat, too, uh, which, is, which is, you know, when you're in the stands, it's fun to see. 
is a kind of uh because of the comeback people probably forgot that cc didn't look too good yeah no he didn't that's what two two starts in a row he had the horrible one in pittsburgh he was slightly Mm -hmm. better against baltimore but um yeah, I mean, CC. I think this is just something we're going to have to... This is what CC is at this point. If if he's not 100% on, it's going to look ugly. I mean, but that's what that's what CC is. He's he's our number four or number five starter. I mean, he's 30... What is he, 37 at the end of his career? Yeah, and especially against a team like the Orioles, who all they do is hit home runs, it feels like, in Yankee Stadium. So if, he, if he's not... You know, pinpoint accuracy. If he makes a, if he's you know to the left or right from his spot, he's going to get hit. He's going to give up home runs, which is what, just what happened. And it's fine. It, I honestly think Sabathia just giving the Yankees five innings is fine as long as we have Tanaka and Pineda and Severino getting past the sixth inning, which they have in this month. The reason the Yankees are winning, yes, their offense has been tremendous, but their starting pitching has been tremendous as well routinely getting past the sixth inning, which is something they didn't do in 2015 and 2016. So we can ha- we can handle uh, Sabathia not doing it, but you need more than half of your starters to get you through the sixth inning so you don't absolutely trash the bullpen. Right. You need the other guys to make up, to make up ground, which is, you know, on Monday, Severino has to go out there because the bullpen is completely taxed from Sunday. Severino's got to go out there and give you at least seven innings, I feel like. And he has the last few times out. Yeah. So I, I actually, it's crazy how much uh, how much confidence I have in Severino. And I I have confidence in him because it looks like he has confidence in himself. Right. Especially with that changeup, which everyone's talking about. He's throwing the changeup more. And I think Roman has really helped him, which is another thing when Sanchez comes back. Roman has gotten so much credit with his pitching staff um, and how they performed since he's been the everyday catcher. That when Sanchez comes back, the the moment someone you know Severino gives up a four spot, they're gonna people are gonna question. Oh, Romine, you know, we got classic. it. We got uh, we got Romine personal catcher mailbags as soon as he had that. Uh, as soon as Pineda had that uh, perfect game bid on opening day. Right. People make such a big deal about personal. You know. Was it Randy Johnson? John Flaherty was Randy Johnson's personal yeah. catcher. Well, like, Randy Johnson was a dick. <laughs> well, he's a, he was a head case. He was a psycho. But Do you think Romine, though, has at least earned himself more playing time? Um, I don't know. It's you don't want to take – I know, right. You don't want to take Sanchez out of the lineup. I mean, he's your, he's your centerpiece going forward. So Maybe when he first comes back, if you don't want to play Sanchez every day because he's just coming, you know, back from an injury, you want to still get Roman in there. But if Sanchez stays healthy. I think he's got to be the, obviously the guy. Yeah, he was. Roman was probably going to get one day a week behind the the plate. So he's going to get Montgomery probably. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, probably the occasional day game after a night game, whoever it falls right. on. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that the pen was fried from Sunday. Let's try and make sense of Brian Mitchell playing first base. So I've never seen more mass confusion on Twitter um, among people who should know what's going on. Like Brian Hawk tweeted that uh, the Yankees pinch hit for Brian Mitchell, but they really pinch hit for Araldis Chapman because 
Mitchell goes to first base, so you lose Carter. Chapman comes in to pitch the uh, top of the 10th. Girardi is doing this because he wants to bring Mitchell back in after Chapman, but he doesn't really have a deep bullpen, so he doesn't want to take him out of the game. To me, it's already wacky as is. Like That's already something that uh, you wouldn't expect from Joe Girardi, uh, maybe from someone like Joe Madden, but certainly not Joe Girardi. Uh, but that's if that's not confusing enough, I guess they lose the DH in that scenario, so they have to pinch hit for Chapman, who was hitting for Holiday, and it just caused everyone to be confused. Yeah, I, if you were keeping score, you know the scorebook, that's a nightmare. I would just give up at that point. <laughs> uh, even you know Kane Cohen in the booth were were stumped. They had no idea. I was like, I had no idea. I was looking on Twitter, ref- I, you know, people were scrambling to come up with. Uh, a reason as to why Mitchell was at, or why you know why they lost at DH. Just that whole game was strange because you had that balk call on O'Day, which then they said was obstruction, which then they changed back to being a balk, which made no sense. Um, and then you even had a problem with the lights. They put the lights on <laughs> light gate, <laughs> yeah, light gate, right? They put the lights on in the bottom half when the Yankees were up. So. You know, to make it fair, they had to leave it off because it was off for the or- for the uh, for the Orioles. So just the whole game was probably the strangest one I've seen in a, in a long time. I immediately thought that was a balk um, because he kind of did a double step. So I thought it was a balk to begin with, and then the obstruction was bullshit. There's no way that was obstruction. Um, regardless, though, we had that whole charade of Mitchell at first. That didn't bite the Yankees, but. He then comes back into the game and ends up giving up the lead uh, an inning later. So it was a, a whole big to-do, and it ended up just in, in disappointment. Like, it was great that the Yankees came back again. I was happy that Didi got the hit. But then they had Carter up with men on base, and he didn't do shit. Um, uh, Castro and Judge both uh, made out when they could uh, in the 10th inning, right? Was that the bottom of the 10th? Yeah. Yeah, so... The Yankees had so many chances in that game. Um, what'd they leave? Or what they have, 20 men on base? They had like 24 base runners or something, yeah, Cohen said. And to only score four runs, that's horrible. That's hard to do. That's one thing about this team that concerns me going forward is uh, they're hitting with runners in scoring position and situa- situational hitting, hitting. All they needed in some of those spots was a sack fly. Yeah. And they couldn't get it. It's like all they needed was a sack fly against Pittsburgh last weekend in the ninth inning, and they couldn't get it. Right. It's it's like a lot. I don't know. It's frustrating. And because they've won so much these past couple of weeks, that's kind of that hasn't been talked about. Well, if the home runs die down, then they're screwed. That'll stick, right. That'll stick out more. Right. Because they're batting 247 with runners in scoring position at 16th in baseball. So mm-hmm. in the middle of the pack, not horrendous. But but not what you'd think of a team leading in runs, right? But the I feel like the Yankees are never good with runners in scoring position, right? It's been a problem with them for like fifteen years. The '98 Yankees were pretty good. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I know what you're saying though. Uh, mm-hmm. th- I I still think though this offense has more versatility and can score runs in more ways than the last couple years where you had guys like A-Rod and Teixeira and McCain and Beltron clogging the bases where if you didn't have a three-run homer, you weren't scoring any runs. At least now I have some confidence that they can get guys on base and and they can score in other ways. Yes, they're hitting home runs right now, but at least this offense is dynamic. 
Right, and they're up a, they're up on top of the league in stolen bases, I think, too, which yeah. is something we haven't seen. Even yeah. Chase Headley has, what, four stolen bases, maybe? Yeah, of course, five, I think. Five. Oh, I shortchanged him. But, uh, yeah, no, they're more versatile, I think. They're not locked into a big-name free eight, you know, a guy that they signed uh, who's now older. They can move guys around. Um, but the runners in scoring position thing, I think, needs to they need to improve on. It's another reason why I just have no use for Chris Carter because he is he is that uh, old guy that we just talked about clogging the bases type where yeah, if he doesn't a base, he's a station to station guy exactly and if he doesn't hit a home run then he's useless right Bird needs to start hitting all right let's get into some mailbags this first one comes from Nathan and he says I was wondering what would happen if the Yankees traded Tanaka. What would be a good? Uh, what would be a fair return, and who would be a good trade partner? I think Tanaka would make the Dodgers a lot better. Imagine Tanaka in the same rotation as Kershaw. I was thinking either Cody Bellinger or a package for Yadier Alvarez, Uleski Diaz, and Kybert Riaz. I'm not even going to pretend to know who those players are. I know who Cody Bellinger is uh, because the the Dodgers just called him up. They're not trading him. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. Yeah, I don't know who I think you if the Yankees were out of it and they were in a position to trade Tanaka for prospects like they did with Miller and Chapman and and Beltran last year, I th- I think you would know more about who needs a starting pitcher closer to the uh deadline. I don't think that's something you can answer right now. And uh what well, what do you think about Tanaka's opt-out situation? Well, the Yankees have said, I mean, they haven't confirmed it. It was like, you know, it was a back page thing yeah. that if he opts out, they're not going to resign him. Well, it, it didn't even say they're not going to resign him. It's just that they they said it was kind of like that they weren't definitely going to sign him, if that makes sense. Right. I don't know. I think it depends on the rest of the year he has and how he feels physically. I think, uh, I think though, he, well, first of all, we all hope this team is not out of contention come July. But, all right. But uh, so that's the reason why I don't think they're going to trade him. But uh, I just don't even think they're going to trade him because I think the, they're going to want to re-sign him. Yeah, uh, they need pitching. I mean, who else do they have? It's not like they have a guy waiting. In the, I mean, Caprillion was supposed to be that guy that was waiting in the wings to, to start, but he's yeah. out for a year and a half. Justice Sheffield's their top pitching prospect at this point, but he's still a couple years away, I think. Right, yeah, he's not ready yet. So they need Tanaka more than Tanaka needs the Yankees, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think I think you're right. And I think, though, that's why Severino, with how he's looked so far earlier in the season, is huge for this team going forward. Right. Now, his, this was a huge year for, uh, year for Severino, for sure, because um, he's he was so good in the bullpen that you start to wonder, and eh, maybe this guy's, you know, cut out for the bullpen. Like Batances was a failed starter who went to the pen, but uh, Severino has responded. And then, but uh, and I feel like the Yankees though then can produce a lot of starters like the Jordan Montgomery type. Yeah. Uh, who else have we heard about? Chance Adams, right? Yep. Chance Adams. He's- and then, I mean, all the guys who were really competing for that number five spot, Chad Green, mm-hmm. Luis Sessa. Sessa, yeah, we still haven't seen him yet. He's uh, having a really good uh, start in AAA. Mm-hmm. And then Mitchell, you still can't forget about him. 
who I think might get shipped down at least uh, until his arm is fresh again after after Sunday. Yeah, yeah, they probably need a, a fresh pitcher for the pen. Yeah. But another thing with Tanaka, which is interesting, I think, is, you know, the whole thing with Chapman. They tra- Obviously, they traded him, and then they re-signed him. And Cashman can say that it, that wasn't part of the plans. Um, could there be a thing with Tanaka? I know it's not tampering, but where there's a mutual agreement that he will opt out, and they can trade him for prospects and then just re-sign him? <laughs> That's uh that would be creative. It certainly would be yeah. creative. I don't know if right. uh Tanaka See Chapman strikes me as the guy who is just going to go to the top bidder. But he turned down more money. No he didn't. The Yankees were the From top bidder. The Marlins were. They were? He said that the Marlins offered him more money. Did we, is that confirmed? I don't know. I feel like I the Marlins so. are always in on free agents, but they're never really in on free agents except that one year where they signed everybody. Well, they will be when Jeter's the owner. Just right. <laughs> now, Jeter strikes me as an owner who wants to build through build through the draft build, and development. Uh, a home, yeah, homegrown, right. So those 11,000 fans on a nightly basis can really see a nice young team. <laughs> um, all right, I got a couple of Chris Carter rants to read and then a Chris Carter question. So let's start it off with Robin Lett. If I have to sit here and listen to Michael Kay tell me again that Chris Carter hit 41 home runs last year, I'm going to lose my mind. How many times has he struck out with runners on base this season? At this point, surely the runners need to be sent home from third every time Carter is on deck. I, I'll take my chances against the arm versus watching him not be able to get the freaking barrel on the bat. Rant over. This next one is from Michael Simone. Why is Chris Carter still allowed to be on a baseball team? I don't think he could make a varsity high school team. I don't think I would want him on my slow pitch softball team. He has no idea how to swing a bat, and I'm convinced this supposed 41 home runs hit last year were fake. (laughs) All right, this one is from Ryan. This Chris Carter thing is ridiculous. This guy just plain sucks. At what point is Girardi going to realize that? It seems utterly obvious to the rest of the world that Carter cannot put uh, together good at bats, and it seems to be causing Bird more of a problem because Carter is taking time from him, which we kind of already touched on. Then uh, Ryan asks, "What about moving Headley over to first base and Torres at third base?" That's interesting. I mean, I think Car- at this point, Carter is the new Stephen Drew. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's he's the scapegoat for everything. Everyone wants him run out of town. Um, it's just so hard because he hit 41 home runs and a full 600 something at bats. He's not getting that here. I don't even know how he did that in a full at bats. I don't, I don't understand how he makes contact more than like 5% of the time His swing. He does. He one arms, these lazy swings. I don't get it. I don't get why you would ever, first of all, throw him a fastball, but how he ran into 40 home runs is baffling. I, I said this on Sunday. I watched him swing. I'm like, this guy doesn't swing hard. He just, Waves the bat through the zone. It's strange. I don't. I agree. I don't know how he hit 41 home runs last year. He's not hitting that this year. He's not getting the playing time. So when he does get the playing time, he's striking out. So what? What good is he? I completely agree with, with what everyone said. I don't know what you do with him though. It's too early to trade him. You're not going to get anything for him. Do they eat three million dollars? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think the three million is is going to be an issue. I think uh, He's on this team until there is a healthy Tyler Austin, if we do ever see a healthy Tyler Austin this year. Tyler Austin. haven't heard that name. Been MIA. Yeah. 
Yeah, we haven't heard anything about him. Nothing. Right. It's kind of worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. But but don't you agree that I mean he's at least there until they can have another backup first baseman come in because you know the actual the funny thing is Carter has been decent in the field. He actually made a really nice pick today on a ball. Um and I thought yeah. that he was going to be absolutely horrendous in the field and um mediocre to bad at the plate and he's been horrendous at the plate and, and decent decent in the field yeah and he made some good plays at Fenway too in the field um I don't know it's he's, he fell in the Yankees lap and the Yankees couldn't pass up they saw the 41 home runs and they were like oh we gotta <laughs> sign this this guy it's like two weeks until spring training we gotta sign this guy and now he just doesn't fit all the other pieces on this team fit Carter does not fit Exactly. I said that from day one. And home runs were something that uh, were harder to find in 2010. So if you had a 40 home run hitter, you fit him in your lineup because you couldn't find that many home runs. Everyone's hitting 20 home runs now. Yeah. I mean, home runs are, are up around the league. This is now we're off to the most home runs ever in baseball. 2017. We're on pace four. So home runs are not hard to find. The Yankees are hitting a ton of home runs and they're not coming from Chris Carter. So I got no use for his 41 home runs in 2016. And how about how about the Brewers letting him go and they get uh, Eric Thames? Yeah, what did he do in Korea? I don't know. It's not legal. That's all I know. Yeah. I know he's been, uh, didn't he say he's been tested already like two or three times? Yeah, and he said he's got plenty of blood and urine if they want to keep <laughs> testing him, so... But so like that the, that just tells Brewers. you it's not really random testing. They're like, all right, something's going on here. We what? It, maybe he found some weird Asian PEDs that are uh, that hasn't made it to the Western world. But he did something. There's no way. I mean, it's not the the first guy we've seen do this, right? Um, uh, Cecil Fielder did this too. It was 30 yeah, years he, ago. He was like the player of the year in Korea. And then he comes over and. He was basically done with Major League Baseball. He goes to Korea and then he comes back and he's on, you know, winning World Series with the Yankees. But um, that's just crazy. The Brewers let Carter go, hit 41 home runs. And now they got this guy who's better than Carter and hitting, you know, he's the league, lead, league leader in home runs. It's crazy. It's wild. So, uh, what do you think about Ryan's question, though, moving Headley to first base and Therese to third base? And let's let's play a scenario where... It's June 1st. We're at May 1st now. It's June 1st, and Bird is still hitting like 130. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, Headley's played there in the past. He could definitely do it. Um, that could be a good way to... I mean, if you're going to give Holiday a day off, you could DH... I know Carter is not a fan favorite, but you can DH Carter. You can... Um, Give Bird a day off. You can move Headley to first and Therese at third. So I could see it happening, but as long as Carter is on this team, Girardi's going to give him at-bats because of they just love the potential that he has that he could put a ball over the fence at any any at-bat. So, hmm. And I guess if all else fails, we can just have Brian Mitchell be our first baseman. <laughs> right. Our final mailbag question is a Twitter question from at Big Wanky. Uh, he says, can you address fans starting the wave with bases loaded and Ellsbury up? Gotta agree with Noah Syndergaard on this one. Ban the wave. You were in the stadium. Did you participate in the wave? Absolutely not. This is the one thing I hate the most, especially at the new Yankee Stadium, 
is the wave. It is. It's like, what are you're missing the game? You're missing an important part of the game. And just think about the concept of the wave and how dumb it is. We put my hands up. We. And people are so amazed. Oh, look at it go around the whole st- Who can't? What is the fascination with it? I don't get it. It's so amateur that I refuse to take part in it. <laughs> refuse. I almost make a point whenever a wave is going by to like really sit down and like make it known I'm sitting and, down and, and get as and many people at, around me to sit down. Right. And look annoyed that people are doing it. <laughs> it's awful. It's the worst. Yeah. It's one of those. Um, the I feel like there's a few annoying things at Yankee Stadium and maybe about the new Yankee Stadium that um it's just it's not the same. No, no. No, it's not. It's completely different. I mean that's a, yeah, I can get into that in a whole nother Yeah, I can go an hour talking about that, but <laughs> it's awful. The wave is terrible. Syndergaard is right, should be banned. Um even the bleachers are doing it. The right field bleachers are doing it now at the stadium. That never happened. It's well, Bald Vinny's not there anymore to lead right. them. <laughs> the poli- the <laughs> the band police, the wave uh, police. That's right. Yeah. We, if uh, on on June tenth, we can promise sections two hundred five and two hundred six will not be participating in any wave. No, and if you do the wave, you're getting ejected from the building. So. But at least now we have entire sections to kill it. Right. Right. We can we can stop it and it's tracks. That's true. All right. Thanks, everyone who submitted mailbag questions. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can tweet us at Yankees podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. You can find Rich on Twitter at Rack City 27 and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. You can submit mailbags at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. Starting next podcast, we're going to be playing some of those rants that people have been leaving. So thank you for doing that. Keep them coming. And a reminder, use code COMEBACK for 25% off in the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop. Rich, thanks a lot for joining. Of course. It was fun, man. Um, It's been a while. Good to be back. And um, hopefully we'll be on again soon. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.